You're listening to the Candida Chronicles with your host, Dr. Jeff McCombs. Welcome to the Candida Chronicles, a podcast where we learn all about Candida and how to safely and effectively treat it. I'm Dr. Jeff McCombs, and I'll be your host for today's episode on Candida Diets and Fatty Acids. Before we get started today, I just wanted to share a study that popped up on my computer today. I get uh, daily postings of a lot of different research. And this one was specifically about uh, candida and looking for new drugs to treat it. So this is sort of a little bit of a continuation of our episode three podcast. But uh, what they were looking for is that what they were doing is called repurposing. They were looking at drugs that already exist to see if we could use any of those drugs, or not we, but they, could use any of those drugs to uh, treat candida. And, and this is always the thing that you never, ever really see until the new drug comes along. And what I mean by that is nobody ever tells you how bad the current drugs are or how ineffective the current drugs are until a new drug comes along. And then they tell you. I mean, it's definitely done as a way to get people to switch to the new drug, but everybody's pretty silent. You know, the doctors never tell you about how effective or ineffective something is. Um, But uh, that's what this study was all about. So it's about repurposing old drugs to treat candida instead of going through the lengthy and and very costly process of doing new clinical trials, etc., so if you can just take a drug that's already out there, it's been approved for use in humans, and you can repurpose it, use it for candida, and that's what they're looking to do, get some evidence going for repurposing whatever drug they find to be effective. And But you know, here's the, in this article, um, it's a classic example of, of what, what I see, and I've seen this for over 30 years now. And, and here's a line that I'll quote from that. Your doctor's never going to tell you that even though they see that these things are ineffective. And then it goes on to say, the efficacy or effectiveness of some of these drugs is severely limited because of their unacceptable toxicity, poor activity in blood, or the emergence of resistance, which we talked about in the last episode. And, you know, so this would be my little addendum to last week's podcast on candida diets and medications. But, uh, you know, what we're seeing is yet another revelation. We had one last week when we talked about that all drugs uh, have a mutagenic property, the ability to create mutations in your genetics. That was the study that we talked about that came out last week, uh, just a day before the podcast, I believe. So we have toxicity, side effects, uh, emergence of resistant strains, ineffectiveness, genetic mutations from using drugs. And one thing I think I forgot to talk about last week was that whenever you kill candida and you have these dead candida cells lying in your tissues and fluids, the candida secretes a sugar onto the outer cell wall membrane so that when our white blood cells come along to clean up all the dead debris and they consume candida, it kills the white blood cells. So even killing candida is not a good idea. So... You always want to stay within 
the holistic concept of preserving the ecosystem, not creating more imbalances, not trying to kill everything, as is the typical medical approach, because that's just going to create more problems. And what we see in the science is the, the ineffectiveness, the uh, possible mutagenic properties, the toxicity, the side effects, the emergence of resistant strains. And it will always be that way whenever, as long as you're trying to kill candida. And that's actually probably a pretty good lead-in for this week's episode, which is candida diets and fatty acids. Because fatty acids typically are pretty safe. They've been around for centuries. They've been used in one way or another to uh, treat candida and other problems. And fatty acids, are, which are the building blocks of oils, and we know we use oils for many beneficial effects. Um, essentially, all oils have antifungal properties, some more so than others, and that is due to the fatty acids that make up those oils. Um, fatty acids probably have the longest history of use against candida. Coconut oil, which is a collection of various fatty acids and can have a, a very good antifungal effect, um, but you're not typically going to be able to consume enough of it to treat a systemic infection, but you could potentially affect some of the fungus in the gut. Um, coconuts and coconut oil have been around for over 4,000 years. So, you know, it's something that's been with us. The, um, the awareness and the knowledge that oils and fatty acids have, or just oils even long time ago, had a beneficial effect against candida and other conditions is, is in the material. It's there. Uh, co coconut oil itself contains two popular antifungals that you'll find on the market today, caprylic acid and lauric acid. Both are relatively safe, but uh, with less effectiveness than another fatty acid that we commonly use called undecinoic acid, which comes from castor bean oil. Um, but uh, caprylic acid, that's going to be the one that you most commonly find on the store shelves. Undecinoic acid is what you're most likely going to get from a holistic physician. Um, but uh, all of these fatty acids have antifungal effects, as do rosemary oil, peppermint oil, clove oil, um, olive oil. All oils have an antifungal effect. And um, while coconut oil can be a good way to treat a topical fungal infection, you're probably going to need to do something else to treat something that might be more systemic within your body, and that is either to go towards fatty acids such as caprylic, lauric, or undecinoic acid. Um, if, you're, if you are using coconut oil, just make sure you're looking for the virgin coconut oil, the cold-pressed oil, as opposed to the refined oil, coconut oil that's been connected to inflammation and the disease for decades. So look for the, uh, the cold-pressed uh, virgin coconut oil if you're going to use coconut oil. Um, candida diets that utilize fatty acids to correct fungal imbalances have proven to be probably the most effective and safest way to uh, address candida in the body. Been around a long time, as we mentioned. Uh, we use undecinoic acid. Uh, undecinoic acid is probably one of the very first uh, isolated fatty acids that was used against candida back in the 1940s. Uh, just shortly after the introduction of antibiotics, which caused a lot of conditions to sort of sprout up in people, uh, psoriasis being one of them, 
So they were using undosanoic acid as far back as then. They were using it in, in very large doses, and, but it was still effective and it was safe, as, as opposed to the medications which have a lot of toxicity, uh, as we've looked at before. Um, but when doctors and researchers at that point were looking for effective protocols, undosanoic acid was one of the main protocols being used, uh, not only clinically in the office, but also in research studies. Among the researchers who have looked at uh, the fatty acids and their antifungal uh, activity, WIS et al., which means WIS and a group of other researchers, demonstrated more than 50 years ago that the greater the number of carbon atoms in the fatty acid chain, the greater the fungicidal activity of that fatty acid. So a fatty acid is a carboxylic acid group that has a little tail or chain after it. And the number of carbon atoms that are in that chain or tail determines the, um, from what the research, researchers found, determines the fungicidal activity of that fatty acid. And um, so Wiss and his group of researchers found that 11 carbon atoms tended to be the most effective uh, fatty acid arrangement. And uh, even researchers as, back, as far back as 1913 observed the same antifungal activity up to 11 carbon atoms. So the longer that carbon atom chain up to 11 carbon atoms, the more fungicidal activity you would find. And I think caprylic acid, which we mentioned, is about 8 carbon atoms. And undosanoic acid is 11 carbon atoms. Uh, so undosanoic acid was more effective, and it is more effective than caprylic acid. And whereas lauric acid, which we mentioned, has 12 carbon atoms, that makes it a little less effective due to solubility factors. It's not able to disperse as effectively through the body. And all three fatty acids, um, although they have good antifungal effect, the most effective of the three was undosanoic acid. And that is the fungal acid, uh, that is the fatty acid that we use in our uh, Candida Force product. Now, fatty acids also, in addition to antifungal activity, also have antiviral activity. And you see that with undosanoic acid, caprylic acid, lauric acid. Of those three, lauric acid is actually the better antiviral of the three fatty acids. And um, caprylic and undosanoic are about even in their antiviral effect. Um, and with undosanoic acid, there has even been shown to be uh, an antiviral effect against the herpes simplex virus. Although I don't recommend undosanoic acid to treat any type of viral infections, it's just good to be aware that that might be an effect from taking undosanoic acid. So someone who might have a chronic herpes virus problem might see that get activated a little bit when taking undosanoic acid because it would drive that out of the tissues as the body or as the undosanoic acid was starting to have an effect against the virus, the virus might um, become more um, symptomatic during the course of uh, treating uh, candida with undosanoic acid. But head-to-head, uh, undosanoic -head, um, acid is the most effective, approximately six times more effective as an antifungal than caprylic acid, and that makes it the most effective choice of the three fatty acids. Um, again, all oils, all fatty acids have an antifungal effect. 
So using, um, using any oil will have an antifungal effect. Using coconut oil will have an antifungal effect. But will it be effective enough to treat something that's more systemic in the body? For that, we find that undecinoic acid is the best choice, the safest choice. And that's what we've been using for over 23 years. And it dates back to the late 1940s as far as its use against candida. Um, how does undecinoic acid work? They're not that sure about how it works. They either believe it affects the pH, because it is very acidic, it affects the pH inside the cell wall of candida, or it affects the cell wall membrane and the fatty acids that make up that cell wall membrane. Um, but the overall effect is that it causes the fungal form of candida to revert back to its normal yeast form. So what we're doing is working within a very natural range. We're not trying to kill candida, which would create uh, antifungal resistant strains and other problems. As we know, if you kill candida, then it secretes a sugar that then can kill white blood cells. We're just working within, with a fatty acid to cause it to basically morph back into its normal beneficial yeast form. And this is what we've been doing. It's, it's a very holistic concept. It's a very safe. It's not creating more imbalances within the ecosystem of the gut or the body. And we find this to be the safest and most effective way to address candida in the body. We're not trying to kill it. We're not treating it in some way. We're just uh, basically encouraging it through the use of a fatty acid to go back to its normal yeast form. Um, and while you're doing that, one of the things you also need to do is you also need to be boosting the correct immune response, which is what we use our Detox Essentials product for. And Detox Essentials, the way, one of the ways you can boost the correct immune response, the Th1 immune response, is to use uh, substances such as vitamin C, echinacea, astragalus, uh, mushroom extracts. All of these help to boost that Th1 immune response. So when you convert candida from its fungal form back to the yeast form, then the immune system can play the role it should play and help to uh, contain candida in that form. Uh, so again, undecinoic acid is the best choice in terms of fatty acid, very safe, even at very high doses. Uh, back in the 40s, I think they were, we recommend a dosage of 250 milligrams three times a day. Back in the 1940s, they were using dosages that were in, in the realm of six or seven grams, almost 10 to 12 times the amount that we use. But also back then they weren't using any type of candida diet. So that's where you see, I think, really the effectiveness of the candida diet. Uh, it helps to, it's not fueling fungal growth while you're converting the fungus back to the yeast form and you're boosting the correct immune response. Um, undecinoic acid has some other forms and basically these are salt forms whereby they've uh, combined calcium or uh, magnesium or sodium with undecinoic acid and they, that produces calcium undecinoic, magnesium undecinoic, sodium undecinoic. These are salt forms of undecinoic acid and um, while they have been shown to be very effective in an acidic environment, that's not where you're usually going to find candida being a problem. With an acid pH, candida is going to be back to its normal yeast form. It's in an alkaline pH that you have the fungal form. And unfortunately, the undecinoic salts are very ineffective in an alkaline pH, which means that 
probably the only place they would be affected would be the stomach where the, the pH is very acidic. And uh, unfortunately also the yeast would be, in it, uh, the candida would be in its yeast form, so it really wouldn't be a problem. So um, it's kind of a, one of those interesting substances that's on the market because it isn't really that effective. Uh, some of the manufacturers who have um, used uh, the salt form have uh, tried to put some type of time-release hydrochloric acid in so that it would help sustain a more acidic environment for it to be effective. But still, that hasn't been effective in, in anybody who's treating candida. So the undecinoic acid form is the best form. 250 milligrams three times a day, at least 20 minutes away from food or between meals uh, is the most effective way to take it. Um, there are some people who will open it up. It comes in a gel cap and take it, but it has a very bitter and very acidic taste to it. Um, years ago, I decided I was going to demonstrate that someone could do this, and I had never tasted it. And I took one of those gel caps, put it in my mouth, bit into it in front of a patient, and then fled the room as fast as I could to get some water to wash that down. It's very bitter, very acidic. You can do that. I've had just a few people, maybe two or three people, who have uh, bit into it, and they would swallow uh, the mixture of undesinoic acid with extra virgin olive oil and then chase it with water, and that's how they would do the diet. <clears throat> and I believe uh, one mother even gave uh, their four-year-old uh, the undesinoic acid that way that I heard. So um, it can be done, but um, uh, if you're going to do it, you may want to mix it with water to kind of buffer some of the acidity. Um, but we recommend that you don't take it out of the gel cap. That's the best way to, to use it. But if you do it the other way, it's still effective. Um, and, uh, you know, it is effective against candida. It affects systemic candida throughout the body. And um, so whichever way you use it, you're going to have a, a lot greater success than many of the other ways that are available out there. Okay, so um, that brings us to our... Uh, question of the day. And this is a question that we get from time to time. And I'll go a little bit more into it. Uh, well, it's an interesting question because it, it actually applies a lot to candida and applies a lot to people who are chronically ill sometimes. The question uh, that uh, this woman sent us says, I want to do your plan, but I don't want to lose any weight as I'm already too thin. What can I do so that I don't get too skinny? Uh, well, our, the Candida plan is not a calorie restriction plan, and uh, we don't encourage that. In fact, to detoxify the body takes a lot of calories. So we encourage people to eat frequently, eat a lot and of, the, of the allowed foods, and that way that helps to ensure that you're constantly fueling your detoxification process and um, you're giving the body all the, the fuel it needs. And the idea with the plan, even though some people will do a Candida diet, or do our plan as a weight loss, a way to lose weight. Doing our diet doesn't, um, because we encourage a lot of calories, there's no calorie restriction, so you're not going to be burning essential muscle mass. You're not going to be losing essential body fat. But what will happen as you start to detoxify the body is you will, uh, and you decrease the inflammation that many times is caused by candida, the body will release a lot of dead water weight. And that dead water weight in some individuals, even thin people, will actually bloat them up a little bit so that what you see when you see these people is that they're more bloated than they should be. 
And when you take the bloat away, in a heavy person, well, they're going to just feel greater, they're going to look great. But in somebody who's very skinny and they're bloated, this tends to reflect that for a long time they've had a chronic issue and their body's just been sort of wasting away. They haven't been able to digest and break down protein effectively, so the body has been sort of um, cannibalizing its own tissue to get proteins. And I've seen this many times. It's, uh, it's sort of a hard place to be in because the effectiveness of the diet is by restoring the fungal form back to its normal yeast form, boosting the appropriate immune response, helping to recolonize with uh, probiotics, the good bacteria, and detoxifying the body, that um, when you're releasing all this dead water weight and you, after you detoxify fat cells and the body will burn the excess body fat, uh, which it won't as long as, there, as long as there are toxins present because it doesn't want to release those toxins back into the system, then um, if you're already thin, you might get a little thinner and you might be afraid about that. But the purpose of the diet is to make you healthy because weight is not always a good indicator of health. So even in people who might look overweight, that doesn't necessarily mean they're less healthy than somebody who weighs less. So weight is not really a good indicator. And sometimes even physical fitness is not a good indicator of health. It's just a good indicator of physical fitness. So when somebody comes and they're too thin, I usually tell them, well, you're too thin. So, you know, if you're very thin, then you don't really have a lot of body fat to lose or a lot of even uh, water, excess water weight, because there's just not a lot of place to store it in your body. But you may thin out a little bit. But what you really want to focus on is getting healthy. And that's what we've seen. Um, I've seen that time and time again. Uh, unfortunately, some people don't want to lose extra weight, so they're afraid to do any candida diet. And that's not a good idea because you're health, you're unhealthy. You've been cannibalizing your own body's tissues, and that process is going to continue until you reverse it. And if you have chronic diseases or conditions, you really need to turn your health around. So the weight issue is really not a good parameter of health. And it's not something that people should be focusing on. Uh, we know that in culture and our society, we're very focused on how we look, how we appear. Uh, we don't want to appear too thin, gaunt, um, anorexic. But, you know, in somebody who's had a chronic condition, once you take the bloat away, you're actually going to see what they really look like. And maybe that's what they look like, really. So, um, you know, it's just something that, and someone who's too thin, you might have to be prepared for a little weight loss. Obviously, you can't really lose much weight. But on a thin person, losing three or four pounds, five pounds, might look a lot more than it's going to, obviously a lot more than it would on somebody who weighed a lot. Um, someone who weighed like 200 pounds overweight, because we, we've had people lose that much on the plan. But again, if you're 150 pounds, you're not going to lose 200 pounds, because you would be, you'd be in the negative, and you would be there. Um, so... And it's also important to point out that uh, what we typically see as you do the diet, as you do this process of improving how your body, how your digestive system functions, around week six of the plan, you'll actually start putting on lean, more lean muscle mass. And um, for the people who want to lose a lot of weight, this sometimes is disturbing to them, uh, not because uh, they don't want to put on lean muscle mass, but it's because that muscle weighs more than the fat they're losing. So their weight loss tends to slow down a little bit even though their clothing size might still shrink a little bit. which So that's something we have to point out to them. Someone who has excess body weight, and all of a sudden they get to week six, and they may not be losing as much as they were initially. 
um, it's because they're putting on more lean muscle mass. Uh, so that's a good question. It's one we get a lot, and it's really a good one to talk about because when you're when you're really unhealthy and you can't digest um, and absorb the protein you need and the nutrients you need from your foods, your body's going to start taking it out of your tissues, and it's going to continue to do that until you reverse the digestive imbalance and improve your ability to absorb nu nutrients and get the nutrition your body needs. Um, so. Just something to be aware of, whether you do the candida plan or some other diet, uh, you may go through that initial phase of uh, losing a little more weight than you might if you're already very thin. And our case study today um, is uh, a gentleman who came to me years ago. Uh, he came to us, he had uh, chronic sinus issues, he had uh, lost his sense of smell, and every year he reported having to go to uh, ear, eye, nose, throat doctor and have 60 polyps removed from his sinuses every year. It's something he said had been going on for the last 10 years. Uh, so the sinus problem was chronic. He lost his sense of smell, which was more a more recent um, development in his overall chronic situation. Um, but he was becoming... I think it was actually the thing that brought him to the office because now he wasn't really able to smell food. Even though he had had chronic problem with just getting polyps taken out for years. Uh, so we put him on the plan uh, and we had him do the sweating. On the plan we recommend that you sweat six days a week. Sauna, jacuzzi, steam room, hot bath. Uh, obviously dry sauna is something we recommend or hot bath. Steam room is you're aerating a lot of water which means you're aerating into steam the chlorine and the fluoride and the fluorine in the water too. So I prefer dry sauna. And with him, um, and what we uh, actually, in doing the sweating along with the plan helps to avoid a die-off reaction, which most people, which is I think is a misnomer and overly used explanation for something that people are misunderstanding when doing a candida diet. But um, we put him, on the, put him on the plan, he began to feel better, his sinuses cleared up after a few weeks um, and then what we discovered is that he had a chlorine allergy. And his main form of exercise was swimming in a pool. This was an indoor pool that was very chlorinated. And for the sweating, after the pool, he would go to the jacuzzi and sit with his head just right on top of the water there with all that chlorine and fluorine evaporating right up into his sinuses. And he was inhaling that. Um, and so he was being exposed to high amounts of chlorine and his tissues weren't able to handle that. And so we discovered that he had this chlorine allergy. So we switched him to dry saunas, we told him to find some other form of exercise, and I think he even opted not to use the shower at the gym because the water, he, he actually began to be able to smell the chlorine in the water in the, in the shower, which he hadn't been able to smell before as long as he was swimming in a chlorinated pool and sitting in a jacuzzi. Once we took him out of that, he was, became a little bit more sensitized and aware to how much chlorine was even in the, the shower water. So we switched him over, he regained his sense of smell, and uh, the sinus issues cleared up. And um, you know, we saw him probably a year later, and he just stopped by the office to let us know that he had never been back, to, uh, the polyps never returned after doing the plan. And then um, we ran into him again ten years later, and it was the same story. The polyps had never come back. His sense of smell had stayed with him. 
his sinuses had stayed clear. And so the plan was uh, a tremendous help to him. It was very instrumental in revealing a hidden allergy to chlorine. And this is something we see periodically where someone will do the plan and all of a sudden they discover that they actually had another problem in there as well. And more than likely that's always how it's going to be. It's never going to be just about candida. Uh, we live in a very toxic world. We store toxins in our body. So there's more than likely going to be other factors that um, affect our health and contribute to imbalances that we have in the tissues. Uh, but uh, what we find amazingly enough when you repair the gut, detoxify the body, that really helps many problems to go away. But it also may help to reveal something that uh, someone needs to really be paying attention to and aware of. Some people make everything about candida and that's not always going to be uh, what's happening in your body so it's best to pay attention to the symptoms, the signs that your body's giving you so that you can address whatever's taking place in the most effective and efficient way possible and not uh, be blinded to the other possibilities that are present. So that's our uh, show today for uh, candida diets and fatty acids. The fatty acid that we recommend is undecinoic acid. Uh, one of the more common ones available in stores is caprylic, uh, about six times less effective than undecinoic acid. And uh, those are really the two main choices, although some people encourage others to just do coconut oil. We don't think coconut oil is actually going to be strong enough, potent enough. And um, the amount of the caprylic acid or lauric acid in the coconut oil is not going to be high enough to, uh, I think, effectively address something systemically. Uh, caprylic acid, we found, has some drawbacks sometimes that it might be a little more stressful for the kidneys and may have uh, more of a limited effect in the body. So undecinoic acid is the one that uh, we recommend and encourage people to use. Um, other news, uh, we have a new website coming up. It's been a long time. We haven't had a new website in 14 years, and uh, our blog has been on one side and our website another side, and so everything's going to be together. We'll have, I think, uh, a lot of videos. I think right now we have about 28 videos loaded on the site. We're going to have all our blog posts will be there. We have 170 blog posts to put up, uh, lots of science, lots of information. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a new site. We're excited about it, some new labeling, packaging, but the same diet plan that we've had for over 23 years. Um, if you want to find out more about Candida, uh, Candida Plan, you can uh, check out our Facebook group, Dr. McCombs Candida Plan. We're on Twitter. You can follow us there. You can read our blog, lots of blog posts with all the science. That's at candidaplanplan.com forward slash blog. Uh, this is our fourth podcast, so we have three podcasts before this that you can listen to and learn a little bit more about Candida. Uh, on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, follow us, follow our podcasts. Eventually, the podcast will be on our new website as well. And uh, we'll try to get as much information out there to uh, try to get rid of a lot of the noise in, in, the, in the way of candida infections, a lot of the myth that's out there, and try to give you as much of the science and as much of the truth that uh, we can dig up. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you join us again next week for another episode on candida diets. Thank you for listening.